Wow, we're starting a new series, and I'm so honored and privileged uh, to begin talking about this. I shared uh, on the beach, and I couldn't, I started my sermon, and I was kind of in tears. I couldn't really, I was wondering, am I gonna, is this going to actually happen, or is this going to devolve into like a, just a total like moment with my therapist of group therapy, just weeping out of joy, but I, I'm saying this, and it's kind of weird to say as a preacher who's been, I've been preaching since, I think I was 16, I gave my first message ever, and I'm 36 now, so I've been preaching for a little while. I don't know how the sermon's going to turn out. I'm not sure how the deliverable is going to be. But I can tell you this. I have probably never in my life preached from a place where I, I sense with all my being, to use some big philosophical, I have this existential sense, experientially, that I am standing in the ambiance of God's miraculous work. Like, and I know that if you're like new with us here, like, oh boy, is he going to make me drink Kool-Aid now? No, we do that at the, at the inter- intermission. No, no Kool-Aid served here. Um, but it is a little weird. It is a little different place where I'm preaching from. Again, I don't know what that translates into, but what I want to say, and after, after between services, I was, I was heading up, and I saw Bill in his car, and he's such an encourager, and I go up to him, and I go, Bill, I just don't know if I, I don't know if I can even, if I even articulated what's going on in my life. I don't even know if I even said it. Like, is it even getting through? I can't. So just know that what you're seeing here, it's like, like there's an iceberg of God's work in my heart, and it's not me. Like, I'm so much holier this month than I've been before. But it's just overwhelming sense of God's work in my life. So that's where I'm coming from right now. And that's, that's just true, authentic preface to the message. We'll see what it does to it. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I don't, in some sense, I don't know and I don't care because God's doing crazy things in my life, and I just am watching and marveling. Um, so my son, Brixton James, he's got the coolest haircut, such a rock and roller. Uh, he's down at the Ch- River Kids. He loves the River Kids Church. He's down there right now. My son loves surprises. He doesn't love, he likes getting them, but he loves delivering surprises. That's his big thing. You can ask my wife. You can probably see it play out at some point at the River Church's life. You'll see my son do this. Here's what he loves to do. I'll be at the house. He'll come home from Trader Joe's. He's at Trader Joe's with my wife, and they're you know, doing grocery shopping. And Bray sometimes will let him pick out something for you and for Daddy. So like, he'll get like jerky sticks, like two things of jerky sticks. And then he'll he'll we have a long little walkway. He'll get out of the car. I'll kind of hear his flip flops as he's like running, like defying death as he runs, not tripping, sometimes tripping, and he's running. And he puts it behind his back. So he loves to put it behind his back, and then he runs as fast at you as he can. Head lean forward, so if he does trip, it's going to be gnarly. And he's got that, and then he stands in front of you, catches his breath, and then he goes, "Here you go, Daddy!" Like a surprise. Sometimes, and I'm not kidding, he'll walk up, he'll be trying to open the door, he'll have the surprise in his hand. I'll see it. He sees me see it. I know what it is. He goes, "Hold on, Dad!" (laughs) Surprise! And you're like, it's an onion. I love it. Breaks in. He's like, this onion's amazing. It's incredible. We found it. It fell on the ground. We had to pick it up and put another onion in. And we got it for you, Dad. And you're like, wow, son. Thank you. He just, he's number one, so excited to share it. And then, like, I talk quick. Let's face it. He talks even quicker in those moments. And he can't seem to get it all out in the space of like the three seconds that he's trying to explain it. So he ends up stringing together this long run-on sentence that's just going all over the place, all to say, this is incredible, and it's for you, right? So as we enter this series, Empowered, you're doing better than you think. 
Is that a, is that a, a word for us maybe for some of you 2018, right? You're doing better than you think. Empowered. You're doing better than you think. As we begin Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, it begins exactly like that. With Paul of Tarsus running up to the Ephesian church in this letter and going... Here it is, and I'm going to tell you all about it, and I'm not going to stop, and it's going to be the longest run-on sentence in the entire New Testament, and that's exactly what he gives us. For 15 verses, the first 15 verses of Ephesians chapter 1, well, from verse 3 on, it is this, in English we break it up because we want to keep it nice and grammatically uh, uh, stylistic, right? Well, in ancient Greek, you could do long run-on sentences, and this all I'm about to read to you if you were reading it in the Greek, as Todd is over here in his Greek, he could have testified to it. Every sentence is connected with either like a subordinate conjunction or a coordinating conjunction. There's no periods. The thought doesn't stop. It just goes on, and then this reminds you of this, and this reminds me of that, and this reminds you of that. And here it all is. As if Paul can't get it out of his heart fast enough, he's just got to go, here. Okay, this is, this is what we're going to read. I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to read his response after that. And all I want to do, it's a simple thing, but I want to share a couple insights, like just thoughts about it. And then a couple, I have some props. I did bring a couple props. I'm like the carrot top of preachers. Remember carrot top? Always had a prop. I got some props. And then um, I want to tell just two stories of my own life. So the last part of this message is going to come like straight, straight on through my right now. It's like, it's like best if sold by that, you know, you can go to the grocery store, that date on me, it's like, this is fresh, what's happening in my life right now, and I don't know how I'm going to get it out or if, so you're just going to hear me meander around if need be. So here's the passage, I'm going to read it, sit back, you can listen to it, or you can follow along in your scripture, both are great ways to consume the word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people. That means they are different. This is a different group of cats. They're holy. They're set apart for something different. To all the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. And then he goes, Surprise! For 15 verses, or for 16 verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I repeat, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose in him, he chose us in him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he foreordained for us as to adoption as children of his, through Christ Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and goodwill, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. That means we were once slaves. That's a slavery term. You were slaves. You, you could look at yourself in, in the mirror and say, you are owned by somebody. You are property of somebody. And he said, that went away. That went bye-bye in the forgiveness of of sins, that rebellion, the bitterness, the balled up fists that kept us so far from God have been opened, have been dissolved, and we are now in this beautiful, intimate relationship in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He, that he, this is a great line, that he lavished upon us 
the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach a fulfillment and bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And it's still a run on sentence. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. I repeat, everything. One more again. Everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth of the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit. A deposit guaranteed in our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so I tried to bring it through to the Greek to you in exactly the energy this letter is bringing, at least communicatively. It's rhetorically thick. I mean, it's meant that you would not catch it all. It's like one of those disclaimers at the end of a, like a commercial this is not valid here or another place. It just goes so fast, and you're like, I don't catch it all, but I know it's a lot. That's exactly what Paul is giving us here. He will spell out and tease out as the letter goes on each of these pieces. They're like hyperlinks, you know, hyperlinks in like an email or something. Click this, and it takes you somewhere else, right? He'll be doing that through this whole letter. But he first starts out going, by the way, here it is. Marvel and wonder and, and understand. And if you don't understand Here's what he's going to do. He says in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you because of you and for you, remembering you in my prayers. So what are you praying for? What are you praying when you think about this group of people that you just claimed has been given all this stuff? What's your prayer for them? Paul says, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So I can tell the future? I can figure out, figure out when, the, when the world ends? I can see if I should be on the, the Bitcoin bandwagon or not? What is this spirit of revelation for? Don't get on it, the Bitcoin bandwagon, that is. So I may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, the power in you, the power that subsists in you, the power that is part of the daily rhythms of your biology and your experiences and your relationships and your waking up and going to sleep and your eating and your fears and your excitement, that part of you, I'm going all Paul with my run-on sentence, that part of you is... The same he exerted, there it is, verse 20, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. So on Easter Sunday, when we celebrate an empty tomb, when we celebrate the fact that some women first, go women, were there at the tomb, and they go, where's the body? It's gone. And that story starts trickling out, and the excitement and the wonder and the scandal of it in some people's minds, like, where'd he go? What happened to it? That story where we say God... Push death back. God said, as John Donne, the great poet, says, death thou shalt die. That power is not relegated to a first century cool event. No, that power is buzzing in our daily lives. 
And Paul's prayer, notice his prayer, as he, his prayer is, is not that that would be true of us. He doesn't pray, I pray that, man, the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that that power would be working in you. I really wish that were the case. So I'm praying for it. Fingers crossed. Throwing out some big prayers for you. No, that's not his prayer. His prayer is, that is already indeed the case for you. That is the reality you live in. As he puts it in verse 3, this is, a, this is important. He says, praise be to the Lord God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is already there. And where is it identified? Where is it experienced? Where is it really ongoing? He says, in the heavenly realms. And the way that I, I sort of frame that in my own mind, the heavenly realms refers to the realm of God. It refers to the realm that is the truest place. It's like when you're seeing the L.A. basin on a nice, smoggy day, right? And there's just a haze you can't see a mile in front of you. And then you say, I'm going to go climb, climb Mount, Mount Baldy today. You have a very interesting life if you could just do that. But I'm going to climb, climb Mount Baldy. You climb Mount Baldy. You stand up there, and you see the blue sky, and you smell the fresh air, and you look down and go, dude, how was I breathing down there, right? That's the heavenly realms in the sense of it's the place where the architecture of reality is the clearest. You could see it. You could see what is real, what is not real. You could see where the fog and the smog and the corruption is blinding folks to thinking that that's the best the sky gets. Puke orange. And saying, no, 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 in the heavenly realms, the reality is clear. So Paul says, you've got it all. If you could see it through the lenses of God's perspective, you'd see you've got it all. It's there. And so his prayer then, in verse 18 and 19, his prayer is not that you'd have it. His prayer is that you'd use it, that you'd, the, you, the bandwidth, right, the Wi-Fi speed of your heart would be increased and multiplied so that you could even start wrapping your heart and mind and arms around what he's already given you. So that's the, that's the thrust of the first chapter. It's like a big prep. You got it all. Every spiritual blessing, stuff you don't even think is possible that is already there with you and for you. And then I'm praying that you see it. And, and, and so we're going to be exploring this the whole time. But I thought I would start with just a, a couple illustrations and then of, of what Paul's doing in this passage and then some stories from my own life. But... Uh, and a couple really, really practical, just baseline practical ways we could start exploring this together. But the first illustration, um, I, whenever we go to an amusement park as a family, I always try to maximize ride count. Because I found with my kids, you could go on like 10 silly small rides, and they'll be happy as long as they can count like, oh, that was 10 rides. So what, do I, what I always do is I count the parking lot tram as ride number one. Right? Like, all right, get in line. All right, we'll get, get on our ride. Whoa, Brixton, put your hands up. Michelle, look at this. She's getting smarter now. She's eight and, eight and a half almost. She knows what's up. But Brixton doesn't know yet. So this is a cool ride. Woo! And then we go in the park, and we rack up our rides, and then we get back on the tram, and that's the last ride. So you're always plus two with whatever your ride count is. I tried to incorporate the drive home. They didn't buy that. Even Brixton didn't think that was a ride. But imagine... And the tram's kind of fun, right? I mean, it's got that, you see some cool, uh, cool pictures of like, oh, you're parked at Mickey 3B, and it's Mickey Mouse or whatever, wherever park you're at. You see the characters, and it goes like 14 miles an hour, so it's kind of a thrill. It smells like diesel. I'm not sure if that's part of the ride or it's just reality. And, and, and then you, it's fun. Get off and you go. Imagine this. Imagine a context in which 
I had given you, let's say for Disneyland, I've given you um, a pack of like 20 tickets that will give you all access to Disneyland all day with just you and like 19 other people that you want to be with. You got the whole park. I'm it's popping. Fully staffed. The rides are going. The dude that makes those giant turkey legs that just look like a Tyrannosaurus Rex's thigh that people walk around eating. You're like, what are you doing? Uh, those are available, and popcorn's popping, and music is playing, and you can do character meet and greets. So it's all there for you. And like, we get there, and all right, your, your little van of people show up, your little bus, you guys hop out, and you're like, all right, let's get on the tram, everybody, woo! Go on the tram, you pull up to the front, you're like, that was a sweet tram ride. That was awesome. Let's do it one more time, one more time. All right, back on the tram again. Okay, we'll do one more, I guess. That was amazing. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's see if we can get to 15 miles an hour this time. Got the tram. And you spend the whole day on this tram, and you go, I go all, right, all right, come on in. Let's go. Let's get to hit the park. The rides are waiting for us. Can you hear the music? The fireworks are starting any time now. I go, no, this is good. I don't need more than that. Ah, it's too much. I don't, I don't, who, I don't even, it's, it's just too much. The tram's fine. I'm like, no, 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 I've already paid for it. Like, I will be broke the rest of my life paying for this day for you. Go. No, I'm good. Thank you so much. We're going to head home now. All right. Blessings. And you're like, we're all screaming, like, get in the park. Sprint into the park. Go explore the lands. There's so much more than this tram ride, which, yes, it's exciting. But there's so much more. And it's like this is sort of Paul's call to the church in Ephesus. is saying, you th you're on the tr parking lot tram, and you think it's the ride. And I'm praying you see the entrance. You see the colors. You smell the smells. You feel the experience. And you get in there and enjoy it. It's an adventure, right? I have another illustration, uh, uh, pr some props. Okay, so imagine, right? I love opening presents. This is kind of like gothic wrapping paper here, but hey. Um, I love presents. I love opening presents. And, and these are, you know, when you get the two-for-one the, the two present, imagine I gave you this present. And I go, this, this present is a combo gift. This present right here is like the greatest gift you're ever going to get. I don't know what that is for you, okay? I do not know. It's a time machine or some sort of a, like a device that turns salt water into fresh water. I don't know why you'd need that, but here it is, right? It's what you've always wanted. Like a Bugatti's in here somehow. Press a button and there it is. You wake up in a new Bugatti. No? No one got that reference? Oh, Julian gets it. Okay. It's a little dated. So imagine it's all in here and it's yours. So whatever you want to go, here you go. Oh, first I open this, it goes with it. Like, oh, sweet, this is so cute, right? You open it up. Can't wait to see what this is. Oh, right on. It's a battery. It's a battery. This is so cool. Who loves a battery? It's Energizer battery. So it has, like, you could test it and see how the battery's doing. It, it also could make a great paperweight on your desk. It could power a flashlight. You could power up, like, your fire alarms, right? So no one's going to die. The fire alarm will go off. It's so useful and so good. And you go, thank you so much. This is, you're, this is really nice. I really appreciate it. I go, okay, cool. We'll open another gift. Well, I, the battery's good enough. I go, no, 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 they go together. The battery's going to power up whatever it is that, that's in that box. Oh, that is so nice of you. You know what? It's already too much. Thank you so much. No, I already paid for it. I can't return it. It's yours. It's in your possession. You know what? I'll keep it with me. But I'm just not going to open it. And you take it with you, go shopping with it, right? Drop the kids off at school with it, you go play some basketball with it. You come back at night, you put it down. And you sit and go, this is sweet, man. What am I going to charge next, right? This is a sweet battery. 
And there are a million reasons why, you, why you're happy with the battery and why you won't open the present. Some of you, maybe it's like, well, what if, the, what if it's empty? What if I open it up and I'm disappointed with what I find in there? The big box, and it's just a disappointment. So I don't want to open it. I'm, I'm better here because I got this, baby. And it's mine, and I know what it is, and I know it's good. Some of you, maybe you don't have time to open it, right? You're like, I, I am busy. I have things going on in life. I got so much going, and I'll get to that, and I can't wait. That's going to be great. But right now, we got things happening. So I don't, I'm not going to get to it, but I'm, this battery, thank you. Um, this is one for me. This is probably where my um, theological predisposition, my, my, my sort of background as a church kid in my circles, what I would say. I'd say something like this. Man, this battery is so good. Who am I to ask for anything more? I don't deserve anything more. I am so thankful that I have this that to go for anything is just going to be selfish. So I'm, I'm good with this. It's, it really comes down to this question, now to go to, to our story with Paul and the Ephesians. It goes down to this, hey God, I know you've forgiven my sins, and I know you love me, I'm not sure if you like me, but you love me, and I deserve nothing more. And so I'm not going to open it because I don't deserve any more. And God's going, dude, I, you don't understand, it's yours already. It's done. All the things Paul listed are facts about reality and identity and the right now and hope for the future. It's all there. And I don't want to open it, though. And Paul's prayer, his, there's nothing in this box, just so you know, for those of you that are like hoping there'd be a big reveal. It's a tiger! Quick, there's a tiger in the building. Get out. No, it's not. It's just empty. But... but Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church is to say this, I pray that you get your hands on that wrapping paper and that by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you start tearing open. And every time you tear, you see a new shining light of what God's doing in a different area. Or you see a new dimension of possibility in your life and relationships and health that you see in there a sculpture of who you are and who God says you are. Remember that movie, uh, Hook? with Robin Williams. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's really sweet. Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams. And there's this great scene. Robin Williams, is, he's Peter Pan, and he's super old now. And he goes back to, he's this businessman, he goes back to Never Never Lamb. Somehow, I forget how it happened. He's there, and he's with the Lost Boys. And everyone's like, look at this old man. Who's this old fat man, right? And then one kid grabs Peter Pan, who doesn't know he's Peter Pan at the time, and starts like taking his wrinkles and kind of pushing him back. Starts squeezing his face a little and goes, he goes, there you are, Peter. There you are. I feel like there's so many times where we look in the mirror and all we see is I'm a struggling human being. I'm a just okay dad. I'm a middling employee. I'm a hospital patient waiting with eagerness on every phone call. I'm not good enough or I'm not deserving enough or I'm just, I am, this is it. And, and it's, like, it's like these letters are flying at us to, to say, like, there you are, I see you. Like, you've got to understand, I see you. And it's different, and it does take that thing we call faith. It really does. Like, in the intellectual circles that, that I, I, I could run, I run in from time to time, given my job as a professor, like, I'm telling you, everything kind of is pushing against us to, to start step out and say, what if this stuff he's saying is even, even a fraction true? What if inside of that, 
is, is the more. What if I'm doing way, way better than I think? This, as, as I introed the message, this season for me, um, and I'm just going sh- to close this sharing a couple things, and then I'm going to introduce Olivia, who's going to sing a song that um, is incredibly powerful in my life at this, at this moment, too. But I'm in a moment, I'm in a season in which uh, it feels like, if, if you ever hear the experience of a pilot that's getting close to the speed of sound, and just the friction's building, the friction's building, the friction's building, and then boom, they break the sound brain. It's loud, and it's just in the cockpit. It's just smooth. They've, they've broken through the sound barrier. I feel like God, is, it's, it's nothing with me, but God has been sort of, he's been doing some incredible things in our life, Bray and I's life. We've been, as many of you know, we, we've wanted to be foster parents for, for uh, a, a number of years, and the last year and a half, we started, the, we started the adventure of beginning to get certified, talking to all different folks that have done it and had all different stories, going through some pretty rigorous training, and having... Um, all sorts of new things to think about and going to, some, going to a senior marriage family therapist to continue working through, okay, what are some areas in our life we need to make sure are on point if we move into this next stage? And it's been this huge process that has felt like a waiting room. It's felt like I'm sitting in a waiting room, I'm ready to go, come on, God. And all of a sudden, you're in this waiting room, and you turn on God, the Holy Spirit comes in, and he's in scrubs, and he's going, okay, we're prepped for surgery, go ahead and lay down. And you're like, whoa, 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 this is a waiting room. I'm waiting to do your work, God. He's like, yeah, you're waiting, because the surgery's going to take a while. So sit down and lay back. No, I want to go now, I'm ready. Get me before I change my mind, God. He's like, no, no, we're going to do, we're going to reorganize the furniture in your heart and mind for a season. It's exactly what he's done. And part of the furniture in my heart has been like, I have always, I went to youth group in, in a context, I went to these youth camps as a kid, we're like, first of all, let's talk spiritually, like the spiritual realities Paul's talking about. I've always been kind of like, everyone, would, camp pastors would always use like, sometimes demon stories to scare you, like, you better trust Jesus, there was a kid, and a demon, you know, was there and showed up in their room, and now all I'm doing is praying, I don't see a demon. Like, Lord, don't let me see one. I just don't want to see one. Please don't let it be a child demon, especially, right? Like, the scariest kind. I've never seen one, but but I'm just like, I don't want that. And so I moved the other direction in my life. As a young man, I kind of said, you know what, all that stuff, like, I'm just not even going to mess with that. It's just, that's kind of whacked out stuff used to scare kids, right? And, and it is kind of this Hollywood version of it that you're presented. And so it is a little bit um, caricat- a caricature. But, but I've denied the reality that if the story I am telling us is true here, if the big story of Scripture is true, it means that there are cosmic forces that are not for us, that are very much against us. It means that the, the patterns of slavery and pain and domination and exploitation that have marked human history, it means there's this like really nasty Picasso behind all that. It means it's not an accident that humans get together in a room and go, hey, let's just fight for stuff. It's not an accident that children are left in neglect in cribs for months and just left there. There's someone who hates us. I mean, that's, like, that's so bad. So I don't want to deny it. I don't want to acknowledge it because if I acknowledge it, it's true. If I don't, it's not true in my mind. And God's one of the things in the surgery room. God's going, James, you've got to understand, if you guys are going to move into this, we're going to love on kids and it's going to be hard. And you're going to say, you're going to stand up and look the face of the enemy and say, by the power of God, by the blood of the cross, we are going to stop these patterns of wickedness and pain and abuse. It stops in our home. So help me, God. 
If that's what you're going to do, then, bro, you better wake up. And so in this process, amen, Lainey's like, amen. And so in this process, there's one particular day. God works with me, and God works with Bray in process, long process. He works with me in, like, stubborn, 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 boom, he just wrecks me. And I, and I wake up, and I'm like, something's different. And there's one day in October. I try to tell us at the beach service, and I don't know if I even articulated it, so I'm just going to give you the shortened version of it. The major problem we've had for this whole thing, and, and it'll be relevant to my last story, is we, we were ready to go, and then we found out we needed to have another bedroom in our house. It wasn't enough, because the law had just changed. And I was so frustrated, because sure, if I live out in you know, Hemet, maybe, another bedroom, cool, no problem. You live in the South Bay, another bedroom? Are you kidding me? We're talking about 1,500 more dollars a month. Like, I'm an assistant professor. That's the lowest guy, right? I'm a very part-time pastor. Like, that's not doable. And so, when, oh, yeah, by the way, it'll be another bedroom. Like, another bedroom? So that's been, like, what I thought was the holdup. And in that process of praying and going, God, could you do something? Could you break through? I started getting frustrated, frustrated that my own hometown I grew up in has become this, like, big you cannot enter sign because rent keeps going so high. I was angry at, at these people that had these houses that were just on this, just not even in there watching the sunset on the Esplanade. I'm like, why aren't you in your house? Wake up! I'd be in there and I'd have a little baby with me! Right? And so it was starting to fester and I remember this one day and there was a few other things. I had some hurts in the spring that I thought I had worked through in my life um, and some accusations of... of um, you know, I'm a professor with tattoos, and so naturally I'm people are suspicious of me. And, uh, and I, was, I, I had been sort of questioned by some people, and it really hurt me. And really, oh, you don't know me? Like, you don't know my heart? I love the Lord. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to bring God's truth wherever I can. Like, you're going to question me on that? And so on, in October, mid-October, I hit a place where it was like my theory. God goes, I'm, re I'm removing my presence to hold this back and I'm letting you have it. You're going to have the full experience of what it's like to live in bitterness. And I realized I'm a nice, I'm a happy person, but I had built this little tree house of bitterness for the enemy to kind of hang out in a little rope swing to kind of go in and out. It's just far off the property, so I don't really notice it, but once in a while you hear it. And I realized it was there and suddenly God goes, and there's this tree house. And he goes, and I want you to give it to me. And it was mid-October, Saturday. And I was so angry that day. I was so mad. I just want to help out babies, God. Matter at everybody. No one's going to let me do this. I hate it. And I'm like, Bray, I'm going to the gym. So I put on like Rage Against the Machine and I'm running and I'm like, break the structure up, man. I'm so mad. And I get home and it didn't help. I'm just more upset. And I get home and I'm like, Bray, I just don't understand it. She goes, just go, in the, go take a nap, James. Like, you know, the kids are here. Let's just go to the nap. Take a nap. I'm like, oh, fine. I try to lay down, I can't sleep. And it was like this darkness. I'm just like starting to get more and more. It was like the feeling of like, you're, you're having a buzz. But it's not fun at all, and it's really dark, and it's really unclear, and you're really not thinking. I couldn't even think straight. I was like, oh, I can't even think my own thoughts right now. I go, Bray, this is the break. Bray's kind of, she's always about three to five, sometimes a year ahead of me, three to five months or a year ahead of me in spiritual growth and faith and prayer life. And I knew that. And she's praying all these big prayers. And I go, Bray, you got to come pray for me. It's like I let down my arms. I go, I go like, okay, Lord, I give up. I need you. I need you to break down, light this treehouse on fire in my heart. And so, break, come and pray for me. She starts praying for me. Put on a movie for the kids. Hopefully a Christian movie, I don't know. <laughs> and she starts praying for me. 
And I'm like, all right, I thought it'd be a five-minute deal. And all of a sudden, you get this sense where it was like the Spirit was speaking to me and going, go. Don't stop. No, you're not done yet. Keep going. Keep going. And it's like, oh, there's more? Oh, there's more. Keep going. Keep praying. She's praying over me. She's praying over me. I'm like, okay, Bray. Now I'm standing up and swaying a little bit. You know, I'm getting all Pentecostal, right? I'm like, come on, Lord. And she's like praying for me. And, I, and now we don't even know how to do this. We've had friends who are like the people that pray against demons and all that stuff. And like all these names and theorems. I don't know any of it. I'm like, Lord, whatever it is, we pray. You just kick it out, Lord God. We're claiming the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill. And, I, and all of a sudden, it's like you're starting to give me things. It's like you've kept five emails on your computer from people that have sent you accusatory emails that you're rating for ammo if they ever try to come against you again. Aha, I got you. You need to delete that. Get rid of those. You need to let go your fear of money and finances. You need to let it go. It was like one thing after the other. And we prayed. It was an hour and a half of straight prayer. And it was like, and I'm not kidding, I'm just speaking from my own experience, it was like someone had been sitting on my chest and had gotten up. And I go, it's like waking up and taking your first breath of life and going, wow, the Holy Spirit of God lives in me. And all of these people around me are his creatures that he loves so dearly. And this world is his. My dad owns everything. My dad owns a lot of real estate. And he loves me. And it was, it truly, and I mean, it truly was. And then I go, I take it to the next level. I go, Bray, is there oil in the house? Give me some oil. I've never done this in my life. We're like, a, she gets some cooking oil. <laughs> Anoint me, Bray. <laughs> and she anoints me. <laughs> and it was like freedom in the spirit of God. And I can't explain it other than to say, yeah, other than to say, like, it's, it's real. It's God. And then not more than a month later, I get the sense from the Lord. He goes, you need to stop looking for a house. You need to stop on Zillow, stop on West Side Rentals, stop looping every neighborhood. And we were literally sending letters with bios of our family. Like, here's our picture, and here's what we're doing. We're going to adopt. Let us have your house for cheap, please. And no response. Real estate market's hot right now. And, and we were, he's like, stop all that and enjoy Christmas. That was the sense I got, enjoy Christmas. And so we stopped. And in the middle of December... Someone who didn't even know that our challenge was housing. That was the only piece so far visible holding us back from moving forward with bringing foster kids, little babies, two-year-old and under in our home. This person comes, found out about it, comes to us and says, hey, we have a house that we've been praying about. God, what do you want us to do with this house? And for months, it, it, we couldn't figure out what it was and we didn't know. And we have no idea. Like, so we heard about this and, and we want to know, would you guys want to rent our house? First response is, uh, I know your house. I know where it is, and we cannot afford it. Are you kidding me? And they go, no, whatever, whatever you were planning on, the low end you are planning on paying for rent that you could make it happen, that's what we'll, we'll give it to you. And I'm telling you, six months ago, Bray started a prayer list, again, way ahead of me in life, and the kids were able to contribute to the prayer list for a house. And I'm like, Bray, that's a bad idea. Michelle's like, I want a pool. Oh, yeah, a pool, kid. Come on. Bray's like, I want nice baseboards and, you know, wooden floors, a nice landlord, affordable. Oh, that's the one. That's the piece right there. That's not going to happen. A view. I mean, the kids were putting all this stuff in there. God downloaded on us a place where we're staying that is beyond anything me and my imagination could have. And I slept there last night for the first night ever. And I woke up. Yeah, I woke up. And it's like, 
So I just testify. I, I'm here. I, I guess that's what this is. It's not a sermon as much as it's a testimony to say, like, in all this, it's not about God making our lives titillating and every pleasure we could ever want we'll be able to fulfill. It's putting us into the theme park and the adventure of the Holy Spirit's work in our life and letting go and saying, God, this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Lest we never forget. He wrote this, because he reminds us three times, from a prison, from a prison, from a Roman prison. Not a pleasant place. Not health and wealth. But all the abundance that God has for us. And so, for me today, I think this is sweet. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the forgiveness of our sins. And I'm telling you, that is incredible. That alone I say, God, I got that, I'm good. You forgive a jacked up sinner like me, my sins, oh, I'm good. And God's going, dude, that's the battery that gets you in to all that I have for you. Do you understand? Unwrap it. And so Olivia wrote this song on New Year's, for New Year's Eve service, which I asked her, I go, Olivia, I couldn't stop crying. Can you come here? Come on up, Olivia. And she comes up. Yeah, I'm going to intro this. Yeah, come on up, band, too. And we're going we're gonna to hear one song, and then there's going to be an opportunity. I want you to sit and listen in this song. And, and, and here's what I want you to be asking yourself. If I, could, if I could ask you to ask yourself one thing, it would be this. What's one thing that is too big for you, that is way too big for you to ask God about? What is one thing in your life that is way too big for you to ask God about? You know what that thing is. It might be a relationship, a challenge. It might be financial. It might be emotional. It might be some dark treehouse of sin that you've created and that you think is never coming down. What is one thing that is too big for you to ask God about? And I want to encourage you, starting now, starting the, the launch of this series, start asking him about it. Really start giving it to him again and again. There's more. And my friends, you are doing so much better than you think. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear this song, and then afterwards, um, when the band comes up, come up for some communion. So let's just sit and reflect. Thank you. Thanks, Olivia. Yeah. such things the beauty that I painted and happiness I bring I made you to paint color in the sky the world don't have to be so black and white I know this world will tell you otherwise. Just keep your eyes on me. Cause I can see the person you're becoming. The downfalls of this year don't mean a thing. All you have to do is 
love on people I see and now you're beautiful to me Be still Still. 